Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lenny's Crazy Podcast. This is podcast number 99. Wow. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. Uh, Let's see. The last podcast was done in uh, August. So it's been about five months. And I really want to apologize for not making another podcast. What happened was I had all the intentions of doing a podcast. And I would actually, I would get started. And I would... uh, but I get about halfway through and everything, and uh, I just lose interest, and uh, I couldn't really think of anything that I really wanted to talk about, and the podcast was going to be so short, I just kind of canned it. So listen, I'm going to finish this podcast. I'm, I'm absolutely committed to finishing this podcast, so I know you've been just eagerly awaiting for another podcast, so by gosh, we're going to get this number 99 done. And what's been going on in the Gen 2 world? Let's see. Uh, well, one of the big things that's been going on is the Gen 2 monthly newsletter is back up and uh, publishing every month. It's a little bit different now. Instead of uh, putting it on the Gen 2 website, which had uh, you had to use Guide XML in order to uh, go ahead and publish the uh, newsletter, which was a little bit uh, uh, cumbersome, and also you had to use CVS to um, uh, commit the um, newsletter on the website, on the website, the gen2.org website. And now all you have to do is actually have an account on the blog for the uh, newsletter, and it's actually a WordPress uh, blog. And uh, it makes it a little bit easier to um, edit the, um, the newsletter. It's, uh, I don't know, I've, uh, I've used Drupal a lot, and I've used WordPress a little bit. And I actually like uh, Drupal a little bit better, but I guess it's just because I'm more used to Drupal. And I'm getting used to the WordPress, uh, the way they do stuff. So um, I, I helped out a little bit on the, this last one. Because uh, uh, Marco is, uh, he's at uh, Folsom. That's the big show that's uh, over in, um, yes, in Brussels. And there's a lot of Gen 2 developers and users there at this conference. And uh, so uh, he did most of the work for this month's um, newsletter. And I went in there and, um, and helped out a little bit. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting how they put it together. They have some scripts that generate some, uh, yeah, there's some of the scripts are for uh, different stuff, like uh, the developer moves or the joins and leaves, uh, developers that have, uh, have, that have uh, joined the project or maybe some developers that have left the project. It's a summary of the Portage tree as far as, uh, you know, uh, how many, uh, the current state of the tree as far as how many packages, what packages are stable, unstable. Uh, and then you got the removals, different packages that were removed, different packages that were added, and you have different uh, Bugzilla script uh, uh, stats. There's scripts for that, and then you have your uh, monthly uh, bug ranking, as far as who's uh, closing the most bugs, uh, what team, what what project, uh, individuals, who's doing most of the assigning the bugs. Uh, that's a big deal on the um, on the on Bugzilla. 
it uh, takes a lot of work uh, to um, go ahead and uh, assign the bugs to the proper developers or proper team. The main person doing a lot of main person doing uh, all that is um, is uh, Jer. That's uh, Jerome uh, Rovers. Let's make sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I butcher. I just butcher names. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Jer. Jerome. Yeah, Rovers. R o o v e r s. And he's been for the last, I don't know, year. I think uh, at least the last year he's really taken over uh, wrangling the bugs. And assigning them to the proper uh, people or proper projects, and uh, the this month's newsletter has uh, has a bunch of different uh, topics in it, and um, I'll go down here and just kind of read off. Yeah, the main thing was the news was the Fostum 2014 by uh, Marcos Chand- Chandras. That's uh, the gentleman I was talking to you about. That he's the main one that's been doing the that's uh, been doing the uh, the newsletter also he does a lot of stuff he's uh he's in uh, quality assurance and he's in um com relations which is actually the relationships between uh, the developers uh, kind of like uh, i guess you would call it our little bit of our police department to try to uh, just to make sure that uh, nobody's getting too out of line i mean everybody they try to work things out amongst themselves first but every once in a while, it might go a little bit too far, and somebody needs to step in. So uh, those poor guys get to be the bad guys. You know, somebody's got to do it, but uh, those guys get to be the bad guys. And um, it doesn't happen very often. In fact, I can't even think of it happening at all, anything serious happening. So, But it's just kind of over your head in case, uh, you know, you, you, you do something really, really bad. Uh, they, they have the power to do something equally as bad. So uh, another big thing they were talking about on in the newsletter, which I've been involved in, I'm actually not a full-fledged uh, developer. Uh, they call me a developer, but actually I'm a staff member, and I actually uh, got involved in the in the uh, in the project from this podcast because I was uh, interviewing some Gen two developers, and uh, they public relations uh, wasn't uh, really doing too much at the time, and uh, so they asked me, uh, really Nettie Sigone asked me to come aboard and, and start, uh, maybe I could help out with the, um, well, actually, first it wasn't even to be a staff member. I think at first it was just to become a, a foundation member. And then from there, uh, I, I, he said, you, you know, you should go ahead and try to take the quiz and become a staff member. So uh, he was my mentor, and I went ahead and took the um, the staff quiz. Basically, the the difference between the staff quiz and the full developer quiz, the full developer has two quizzes. It has the basically the staff quiz, and then on top of that, it has the developer quiz, which was the e-build quiz, and it it involves two quizzes. It involves one that's kind of more on policy. and then the other one is more on actually the writing of the e-bills. And at one point in time, I was going to go ahead and continue on. And what I found uh, with me personally is that uh, I, I took the both e-bill, I both took both the quizzes to become a full developer. But I really, when they're in during the review sessions, I didn't really grasp. Uh, some of the concepts, and part of it was my lack of understanding or lack of being a good 
uh, I guess you call a programmer, but really was just uh, understanding Bash a little bit better and just understanding the whole uh, operation about uh, metadata and different stuff that I was a little bit confused over that I didn't really understand. And I tried to just wing it. And actually, when I was just trying to wing it, you know, some of my uh, weaknesses showed up. So during the process, I decided that maybe it would be better off that I would just go ahead and just stop this for now until I got a little bit better skill set. And then, we, you know, if later on, if I had more time or something, I could try it again. And to be honest, here, I, I've almost, by just fooling around with Gen 2 and writing my own e-bills and stuff like that, I, and just knowing the whole, understanding the whole concept behind everything, behind Portage and how the tree works and everything, just being around it, I feel a lot more confident now that I could probably actually do it, you know, and do it pretty well. I mean, I'm never going to be a, a great developer or anything, but, you know, there's all different types. you got really educated, really smart uh, developers, and then you got other guys that actually need to do more of the grunt work. And I, I could, I'm sure I could be one of more of the grunt work type guys, you know, without making any major blunders. Because uh, I don't mind asking for help, so. But it, we'll see if I ever have any more time. My problem now is time, really. It's just like with doing these podcasts. I've noticed when I get started, I've just got work, got a lot of my time going, and really a lot of my mind too. You know, it's just when I get off of work, I just don't really want to have to concentrate that much. But what I have done here is uh, uh, back to the uh, newsletter. Is we're tracking orphan packages was part of the thing on the newsletter, and one of the things uh, that a user can do to give back to the community is actually become a proxy maintainer. And I've actually uh, proxy maintained a couple packages. And all you really need to do is uh, use the package, uh, create some e-builds for it uh, whenever it's bumped and everything, and kind of keep track of upstream and, um, and fix any bugs that come along. And the two packages that I, uh, that, that, that I proxy maintain one is uh, G-Typist because uh, I'm a terrible typist and I've been every once in a while I practice to my touch typing, which I'm very bad at. I, I, my problem was years ago when I first got started typing, I touch typed. And then somewhere along the line uh, in my work, I didn't have to do that much typing anymore and I kind of lost it. And then when I started back typing again, I started just kind of looking and pecking instead of touch typing. And so I, 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 I was trying to get back into touch typing and practice with the G-Typist. And so a couple times the, the packages was broke or there was a new version. And so uh, it needed a maintainer, so I started proxy maintaining it. And that's been a, a pretty much an easy package to maintain. Uh, they bump it every so often. There hasn't been any major, major bugs. Upstream is very cooperative. And uh, there's uh, mainly everything is done on the mailing list. You just, uh, if you have a problem, you just, uh, you know, report it to the mailing list and they usually get back to you pretty quickly. And so it's been a great experience. The other one that I maintain is uh, XML uh, Copy Editor. And uh, the reason I started uh, working with that one is because uh, Nettie Sigun, again, he uses it uh, a lot uh, when he was editing the XML uh, pages for the web pages. So uh, he su suggested I try it. I actually use Vim. I've, I've been practicing with Vim now for a while. I've been using it for the last probably 10 or 12 years and I've gotten you know pretty good with Vim. 
But if you want a GUI, well, sometimes uh, I can't find the, the problems um, that, in the code. And the great thing about XML copy editor, editor is it's all color. So you could see, like, if you forgot a bracket or if you forgot, you know, uh, if you forgot something, it would show right up. So sometimes if I got in a jam, I would run it through uh, XML copy editor and I could find out where my problem was. But for just straight editing, uh, you can't beat Vim, you know, for copying and pasting, for yanking and 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 everything else is just it's, it's just so powerful and i've just learned just a very little bit but uh I, I can i can edit pretty quick with vim now so i mainly use vim so and that's another thing that i kind of liked about the uh the guide xml was because with the guide xml i could edit the web pages you know like if we're doing this newsletter on uh, gen2.org instead of doing it on a blog i could use vim to put together all the um, newsletters, you know, but it's, that's harder than for having a whole bunch of people collaborating because then you have to make your change and then you go ahead and commit it with CVS and then they, they would have to make their change and they commit it and there's not really any real time and everything with the blog on, on uh, WordPress, you know, you can draft, save drafts, you can, you know, it's a, it's a lot more stuff you can do, and it's actually a lot better for the newsletter. It's just harder for copying and paste. For me, it's harder for copying and pasting and editing and, you know, yanking and putting and all that other good stuff you can do with Vim. So, uh, okay, back to tracking orphan packages. So, yeah, so if you're, if you've got a package and there's a, there's no maintainer on it, uh, by all means, go ahead and jump in and become the proxy maintainer. And you can just email the proxy maintainers at uh, gen2.org to get started. And uh, it's, a, it's a great way to give back. And uh, let's see, the other thing is council news. Well, the council has been uh, actually been doing a lot here lately. They've been actually uh, been, seems like they got a crew that together this time that actually works together real well. And uh, they've actually hasn't been afraid to... Uh, to do things now, they're not doing any. They're not doing anything major, but it's basically a lot of little uh, policies. But they're. I mean, if you read the uh, Gen Two news here, the Council news, you'll see all the stuff they've been doing. And I've been following it a little bit. Uh, they've been real transparent, and they're actually uh, every meeting they're 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 getting through a lot of stuff. The next thing on the uh, newsletter is the Catalyst news. Now, Catalyst is the. Um, program that actually de that uh, produces the um, live CDs and the stages, all the different stages. goes back a long way, and it had been neglected for a while, and they're, right now they're actually um, putting together a new a release, and they've, um, Dolson, which is Brian Dolbeck, has been putting in a lot of time, and there's a few other people that have been helping him. Uh, you have to be a pretty uh, pretty proficient Python um, programmer to get in there and go ahead and create it. But he's had a few people helping him, and they're actually using Git, and they're you know making different branches, and they're going to have a 3.0 branch, I believe it's going to be called, and it's going to be uh, basically a rewrite uh, of the current Catalyst, and you know update it, and you know trim it, and uh, edit it, and uh, make it a lot more uh, uh, proficient. So he's been working on that for a while now and uh, probably getting pretty close. Now, also, the Catalyst produces a lot of other stuff. It produces the live DVD 
and it probably produces a few of the uh, offshoots of Gen 2. I'm not exactly positive, but uh, it's a pretty powerful program. And uh, let's see, they got uh, the job open, openings here on the, uh, on the um, newsletter here. They got uh, the Gen 2 Keys developer. Uh, that's Brian Dolbeck, again, is, uh, is, is doing that too. He's uh, putting together, they want to go ahead and get the uh, GPG key creation and ver- verification all uh, formalized and uh, the policy all set up. Uh, so that they can make sure that everything's signed properly and uh, that, that all has to be coordinated and just has to have a policy. And, uh, and then plus you have to put together all the documentation because uh, you got guys like me that, uh, you know, hey, how do we do this, you know? So we need somebody to walk us through the steps of setting it all up and what's right and what's wrong. Uh, they also, they're going to need a, a web developer for the recruiters. On one of the Google Summer of Code projects, they put together a Ruby on Rails application for uh, the recruiters so that what happens is if uh, when you're going through your recruitment process, you can go ahead and do your quizzes and everything online. And what the benefit of this is, you can go and answer a few questions, blah, 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 and, uh, um, and or ask for help or whatever, and you can do it online on a web application. So they need somebody to come in there and go ahead and um, it, it's actually working, I think, but I think they just want some more features added, and they want there's a few bugs that need to be um, uh, taken care of. Also, I know with Ruby on Rails, just from my general updating on uh, Gen 2, uh, the, the Rails, I mean the Ruby, uh, a lot of times they have security um, implications. So there's a lot of changes in the code. Not a lot, but there's changes in the code that has to be updated and different, you know, so you need somebody that just kind of to look after the application. And then the other thing is here on the job opens, job open, openings is a PyPy hacker. And this is a, the Python uh, project. It says moderate e-build knowledge. They can help you with that. Understand of Python integration with Gen 2. Ability, ability to hack on PyPy source code that can provide the infrastructure capable of building PyPy if necessary. We can, sorry, we can provide the infrastructure capable of building PyPy if necessary. So what they, they, they need somebody to uh, work on PyPy, and they'll actually, uh, could if you don't have something to build it, you can build it. Now I'm going to see what, I don't, I don't even actually know what PyPy is. I know it's, uh, well, before I say what it is, let me go ahead and check this out. All right, it says here, the PyPy project has developed a t- tool chain that analyzes R Python code. It's written in R Python, R Python code, and translates it into C code, which is then compiled to produ- produce a native interpreter. It also allows for pluggable garbage collectors as well as optimizing and even stackless Python features. Finally, it includes a just-in-time generator, which builds just-in-time compiler into the interpreter. Given a few animations and interpreter source code. The generated JIT compiler is a tracing JIT. Well, I don't even understand a lot of that. Uh, it says here, PyPy was conceived as an, implena- implement- an implementation of Python written in a programming la- language that is similar to Python. That's the R Python. It makes it easy to identify areas where it can be improved and makes PyPy more flexible and easier to experiment with than C Python. Well, anyhow, 
So they need somebody to uh, hack on PyPy. And let's see what else we got here. Um, the moves, uh, uh, we got a lot of people joining the uh, QA team. Uh, we got some PR. Hey, we got a new PR member. Uh, and a few developers. I've noticed about uh, four or five new developers. Most of these are, most of the ones here in the uh, moves are people that are uh, RE developers are just uh, joining different teams. Uh, let's see here. And uh, additions. Yeah, we have, uh, you had three uh, additions. Oh, and I know there's been a couple more. So we've had, last month we basically had about five new developers. Uh, big news here is Zach Medico, which was the uh, lead developer of Portage, announced that he is stepping down from Portage development. As a result of which, the team had to ask for help, and after a very short period of time, the team now has 18 members. So I'm pretty sure Jack, Zach's going to stick around and be able to uh, help him out a little bit. He was just, uh, I don't know exactly what happened and everything, but I know one thing, the poor guy was just overwhelmed. I mean, he'd been taking care of Portage for, by himself for a while now. So and so this would, hopefully he, he hangs around. Certainly hope he doesn't just bail out on us. Let's see, uh, infrastructure has uh, new SSL certificates. Uh, I know uh, Robin Johnson has been working on that, uh, and uh, they've been, so all of the uh, sites are, has all their SSL certificates are all up to date and everything. And the uh, overlays at gen2.org that hosts the, the machine that hosts all the overlays, like overlays, they have here a little uh, inside uh, scoop on what happened to it. And it actually, it, uh, the hard drives um, uh, failed, but they were able to get all the information off the hard drives and, uh, and re redo the, uh, go ahead and redo the, uh, the site. And, uh, I think overlays.gen2.org. I think it's a Git. I'm not exactly positive. I think most of it is Git. But, uh, yeah, they were old IDE drives. So they were able to go ahead and get a whole new server, transfer everything else, all lickety-clean, lickety all new and shiny. So let's see what else. Uh, Portage, uh, they got the all the different stable and testing and total numbers of packages and there's a pile of packages in the portage tree that's another thing there's been some talk about uh i don't know if it'll ever come to it but uh, one of the interesting concepts i've heard is to actually have gen 2 uh, when we when we get switched to git is to have gen 2 basically the main support is just like a core have gen 2 core let's say at one Git repository, which is uh, you know the the tool chain, you know all the core stuff. Basically, the basically what you'd get after you uh, installed a stage three, and then you'd have each all the projects would have their own Git uh, Git Git repository. So uh, KDE would have its own Git, and um, and they would have their own section of developers, and GNOME would have their own Git and their own section of developers. Uh, uh, all the uh, multimedia, uh, all that would have its own, you know, its own um, Git repository. Uh, you know, any kind of artistic stuff, uh, the GIMP, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff would have have its own um, 
Git repository. You know, and split basically split everything up into projects, and and each and each Git repository would be almost like its own team. You know, that way on the Gentoo infrastructure, it would make it smaller. As actually, is just a is just the core, and then all of these teams could have. Uh, have their own Git repositories for their own their own stuff and be responsible for their own uh, you know set of packages on their own Git uh, repositories. Then you would have to have a you know a, a big thing of of uh, maintainer needed and maintainer wanted. And then like with me with the proxy maintainers, they would have their own Git uh, things. And then so if a, a project moved from maintainer wanted or maintainer needed to uh, to proxy maintain, you'd move it over there, just to basically to give the main core Gen two make it smaller, more compact, and keep it you know really updated with the security and all that, and just to try to trim it trim it down to its bare minimum. So that's been one of the suggestions. It sounds kind of interesting. Um, sounds like a lot of work to implement. The uh, problem now is that everything has kind of been going the way it's going for a while, and it's kind of developed its own way of doing things and to get anybody to agree on any kind of major change uh, would be tough. Uh, maybe if you had a, uh, you know, a benevolent dictator again or somebody that was in the lead that wanted to organize all this stuff, uh, that would be great. The council, I don't know if they have enough to, I don't even know if everybody wants or even cares about it, you know. So it, to me, it seems pretty interesting. And, um, uh, we'll see what happens. All right, let's see here. Uh, security, oh boy, security's big. Uh, they got a the whole bunch of uh, stuff has been updated for uh, security. It's an ongoing thing. That's uh, if you're interested in any kind of security, I'm sure they could. Uh, they should definitely use your help. There's a uh, uh, on the Gen Two Org website. There you can look it up for the security and see the how you come how you can uh, become a, one of the security uh, members. Package removals and additions. Uh, looks like there's uh, just about as many. Well, no, uh-oh, here we go. We got a lot more added than taken away. So here we go again. It's a portage tree is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and by month by month by month. So hopefully we have somebody in there kind of getting rid of some of these ones that are, are getting older. But uh I guess what happens is basically is that uh, uh, I know Pacho's been doing it a lot is if something is unmaintained and it's just got a whole bunch of bugs and it and really if if it's uh, if the uh, upstream is not if there's the, the upstream is dead then usually that's a pretty good idea that uh, you go ahead and uh, remove the, uh, the the program. But if the upstream is still alive and they're still cooperating um, and the package is working relatively well, and even if there's not a current maintainer, uh, really there's no pressing need to go ahead and remove the package. But it sure would be great to have a whole bunch of people, uh, users that were involved to kind of pick up the slack on a lot of these, these uh, programs, uh, you know, with proxy maintaining them. Uh, that way they don't have to go through the whole problem of uh, all the tests and everything becoming a full-fledged Gen 2 developer. So, um, ah, get involved. Uh, Bugzilla, uh, let's see here, there's been, there's been a, oh, well, almost 15, over 1,500 new 
bugs, and 1,200 of those, uh, 1,200 bugs total have been closed. And um, there's Bugzilla's moving along pretty good. It's actually working really good uh, with uh, A3LI went together and put together, I think it was him, and him, he had some help and everything when they originally went ahead and updated to the late newer, newer Bugzilla. And it's been working really well. And let's see. Um, that's about it. They have a couple tips here. Uh, nothing special. It'd be nice to have some more uh, tips. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put a... Uh, I'm going to try to put together this next month's uh, newsletter. So if you have any complaints about next month, you, you know the person to yell at. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and and ping the uh, all the different... I'm going to ping Infra. I'm going to ping um, the Wiki. I'm going to ping... Um, the forums, and I'm going to head and, and put a, uh, on the forum, I'm going to ask for some uh, tips from users, see what their favorite tips are, and go ahead and try to put together the next month's uh, 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 newsletter. And uh, on, my per on a personal note here, at my Gen 2 boxes, I've got two boxes that I kind of use uh, most of the time, and uh, basically one is a backup and one I use, you know, all the time. Now this one here, yeah, this box here I call it Hard Worker, and uh, I don't have any new boxes. This is an older, uh, older uh, quad core uh, Intel uh, processor. It's uh, it's got a, a Q8300, a 2.5 gigahertz. I got eight gigabyte of RAM in it because that's all it'll hold. It's a it's a, it's not that expensive of a motherboard. It's a, it's a, it's an Intel P31 based motherboard. Uh, the sound card I just started using this one is uh, Sound Blaster X-FI. It works really well uh, for the podcast. I use a Miniman M Audio Fast Track. That's a little USB device. I plug this uh, Steinheiser. E835 microphone into it, and when I'm editing the uh, podcast, I use a Steinheiser uh, HD202 headset. For the graphics card, I use an Avida, and this is a GeForce GTS 450. And for the webcam, I use a Logitech Pro 9000. And what I do is I pretty much, uh, before I buy anything, and most of the stuff I buy is used on eBay, I just, I just like buying them. The, the older hardware uh, it works great on linux and it's a lot cheaper and i usually get stuff after somebody else has already had it and um and get it off of ebay pretty cheap and i enjoy putting together my own boxes and stuff so i'll uh, a lot of times i'll reuse the uh, power supplies and the and the cases and go ahead and update the you know the the main stuff you know like when the when it <clears throat> Those uh, i7s are going to be, and Intel's i7s are going to be, you know, so some of those are getting kind of old now, four or five years old maybe or something, three years old. So what I'll do is I'll look for one of those on eBay when I get ready to upgrade this next box, and I'll always be like three or four <laughs> years behind, but I don't care. But I know it's going to work really good on Linux, you know, all this stuff. Just like, uh, you know, I investigate it, just like this uh, webcam, make sure it works really good, you know. You know, stuff like that, you know, any of the sound cards or any of that, make sure they work really good on Linux before I go ahead and get them. 
Same thing with any of the Wi-Fi stuff uh, that I happen to get. Make sure that the you know it's uh, supported really well in Linux. There's no bugs in that. And print. Another big thing is printers and scanners too. You really got to do your research on that and make sure that they're fully supported. Usually on the printers, I go ahead. And I've been using uh, HP printers, and they've been working. They've been working really good on Linux. And um, I've been wanting to get a scanner, but uh, I want to get like a really a nice scanner. You know, so kind of been out of my price range here lately but i'm looking uh so i'd like to get a nice scanner one day and that would pretty much i have everything i wanted you know so oh that's this box oh and uh what else has been going on with me here uh i've uh, been using uh gnome 3 for a while i actually uh, am using system d now um i i actually have gotten used to it and i like it just fine i use grub 2 to boot with uh gotten used to that now and um Really, with System D, uh, I, I, I really kind of get, I don't know, um, it's kind of a catch-22, you know. I need it for, I like GNOME 3, and I'm um, getting used to it. And But really, I, those wise guy developers for System D, sometimes, I just saw, you know, that he had a T-shirt on. I don't know why they have to do this stuff. I saw he had a T-shirt on, and he says, System D, choice. You know, we're all about choice, you know. He's just kind of ridiculing um People that always complain that there's no choice with it, but I don't know. I can't really say too much. Just, uh, I, I just wish that they had, had a little bit better, um, I don't know, whatever you call that, not doing that kind of stuff. But System D is working really good. I don't have to have a logger anymore. I use the internal logger. I'm doing these podcasts. I'm using Pulse Audio, which it works fantastic. I mean, I, I can switch between... Um, my regular sound card to this USB sound card, mics, I can switch, uh, you know, to the um, uh, web camera if I want to, uh, that sound, that microphone, I can switch back and forth, I don't have any trouble with anything playing on the Firefox, you know, YouTube or, or anything, or Flash or anything, so really, as a user, I mean, it actually works really well, I just wish they I just wish their attitude could have been a little, could be a little bit better, but I guess they get so, you know, you get tired of people complaining to you, so maybe they're overreacting themselves, and maybe we, but we overreacted a little bit with all of our complaints. But uh, I really do, I really do like OpenRC, and um, but it's moving, uh, it's moving past OpenRC for me with GNOME three. I can't use OpenRC, and I just, I've been using all these GNOME apps forever. I, I know Nautilus. I know, I know all the GNOME apps. G added. I know, you know. I just like the look of it and everything. And now I'm getting used to GNOME three of all the keyboard shortcuts and everything else. So I'm just, I used OpenBox there for a while. I could go back to a raw OpenBox and everything, but it just. This GNOME 3, once I, I mean, once I got once I got used to it, once I'm continuing to get used to it, it's really way more powerful than than what I could do with OpenBox. I mean, I'm just getting really used to switching between all the different uh, um, keyboard shortcuts and and everything. So I'm uh, I'm stuck with System D, and uh, and really uh, as as much as I didn't want to do it, and everything is actually working really well, and uh, so. What can I, who am I to complain? So we'll just move on and uh, move up. So um, that's about it for me. Uh, see, I told you I was going to get this podcast out. Even though I made all these mistakes and lost my train of thought about 10 times and everything else that goes along with it. But hey, we got it done. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.